1: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
2: Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your
1: hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. All right, welcome in the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam back again for our first audio-only show in quite a while a number of weeks so big big bonus for the listeners out there you don't have to you don't have to look at our ugly mugs this time around
2: that's right you get to hear it not see it that's a win for uh, all involved i think as
1: uh, as we get ready to go down
2: to the super bowl uh tomorrow so we're going to be flying out to la on thursday be at the game and uh i'm sure run into plenty of people that'll have plenty to say
1: about uh, the upcoming off season yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. It will come out on Thursday, which is our normal podcast day, because we're going to be in the air and, and quite busy over the weekend. So, look, I think we should just broach the subject. I, I I'm pretty bummed. Obviously, I know all of you are as well. That the Chiefs are not playing in the Super Bowl. Verderam and I were really looking forward to to getting to see them. Um, yeah, you Verderam know, was there at the Super Bowl when they when they won it. I I was not. Uh, And I got to be honest with you, man, I was sitting there at halftime of that game and I'm like, man, we're winning by 18 points or or it was was 11 at halftime. But at one point I was like, we're winning by 18 points. Like I'm going to get to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. As that game, as we've gotten some distance from that game, how are you feeling just about that whole thing? Is it still stinging for you? Have you moved on? I mean, like from a
2: professional perspective in one way like, like obviously it would have been great if the chiefs were there but it makes my life easier on sunday because i don't have to have any emotional involvement i can just sit there and watch the game and write it up um you know but from a personal perspective yeah man it sucks i mean that you know that's one of those games i suspect that as long as i have my faculties i'll look back and go how do you lose that game i mean how do you lose yeah. and, and look if you're a Bengals fan i totally understand too where you're like hey screw you man we beat you twice right like and that, that's fair. That's totally fair. The Bengals beat the Chiefs twice. Um, you know, you can't sit there and say, well, it's a fluke. But is it frustrating? Uh yeah. I don't I don't think that anybody feels maybe outside Cincinnati like the Bengals are better than the Chiefs. The Chiefs just did not play to their standards in those games. And when they did for a half of football, they destroyed Cincinnati. The game wasn't close. Right. Um, I, I I'll put it this way. My biggest takeaway from that game is not maybe the same takeaway a lot of people have, which is, well, they've got to address this. They've got to address that. How, you know, Maybe it's a defensive line thing or it's a corner thing or, or another weapon. And I think all those are valid. But my biggest takeaway is more of a somber one, which is just their, one of their greatest strengths is their coaching. And Andy Reid, I think he's one of the 10 most innovative offensive minds in NFL history. I believe that. Um, but – I also think he is their, their greatest Achilles heel in these games mm-hmm. because he just doesn't change. And I've had people, a lot of people ask me, well, do you think this will be the game that makes him change? No. No. He's in his mid-60s. He's not going to change. Like He's what he is. He's been doing this for 25 years. They don't win a Super Bowl without Andy Reid. They sure as hell don't have the run of success that they have had without Andy Reid. I don't care what anybody wants to say about him. He drives me nuts sometimes. But like, there is no way of arguing that, in my opinion. However... I just look at this, and it's like they can do all these things in the offseason. They can go get a third receiver. They can go get another edge rusher. They can go get a corner, and that would help. That's great. They're still going to run into the same problem that they have with him, which is he just does not want to play normal football. He does not want to do it. They're not going to run the ball when teams are dropping eight guys. He he doesn't want to take that. And I think, look, Mahomes in that game, too. Everybody's criticized him from A to Z for it and a lot of it's valid but i think like the biggest criticism i have of mahomes in that second half was he started doing what he did early in the year like yeah if you go and watch the their guys open he doesn't want to throw the ball underneath it's always about a kill shot it's always about pushing the ball and he got away from that as the year went on and you saw the offense take off and i thought in the second half of that football game there were ways for them to beat Cincinnati, but I I put it more on Reed than anybody else. The the way they coached that game in the second half was so infuriating. And I just, I just know it's not going to change. They're not going to change the way they play. He's going to continue to do this. And you know, some years they will overcome it because they're so talented, but a lot of you, you won't like, you just won't overcome that because you're, (laughs) you're playing other really good football teams. And that's, uh, that's frustrating.
1: I think what really stings about it for me is that, you know, look, every year is different, right? And sometimes you get an easier road to the Super Bowl, and sometimes you get a really brutal road to the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs were in a position this year where they had a harder road, but one of their opponents that they faced was really didn't belong in the playoffs, right? And right. Right. they had this huge mountain to overcome in the Buffalo Bills, and they did it. And then they went and they played a, a team that's not as as talented as the Buffalo Bills. And they lost it. And then when I look at the team that's in the super bowl, the Rams are a very good team. The chiefs could go toe to toe with them. I think the chiefs could beat the Rams. So when you look back at like the opportunities for the chiefs and these opportunities are rare, you're looking at this year and you're like, oh man, like whereas last year you can look at the the Tampa Bay game and you're like, man, that look, they just, they, they just didn't have a chance. They couldn't block. And that, that was it. Tampa was just a better team on that day. But, when I look at this this year, I'm like, oh boy, they could have. And it's not unlike the year that that the, the Rams made the Super Bowl the last time that the Chiefs should have been there. And I'm like, oh man, they could have won that game. I think that this Rams team is much better than that one was. So it, it just stings for as a fan for the missed opportunities because you just don't know when they're going to come around again.
2: That's just you know, I think sometimes people feel like, well, they have Mahomes, so they'll just be great every year. Well, it's it's hard, man. Like it's really hard. Like, I I think you have to look at the AFC and understand it's not going to be easy for a long time. Like, Herbert's there and Allen is there and Burrow's there. And to some extent, depending on your opinion of him, Lamar Jackson is there. And if you believe the talk in, in, in Alabama and it's talk, but it's a lot of talk, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there sooner rather than later with Denver. Uh, you know, if, if, Green Bay trades him, it seems like that's probably the most likely destination. And what if Russell Wilson Goes to Miami, and you still have Deshaun Watts. I mean, this is, this is an ungodly amount of talent a quarterback in this conference. It is not going to be easy. Now, do yeah. I think the Chiefs are the best guy? Yeah, they do. They do. Um, but it's going to be really hard. And they had it on their racket. Like they were at home, up 21 to 3 in an AFC Championship game against a team that they should pummel. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just look. And I, I get it. If you're a Bengals fan, you want to scream it and be fine, go to nuts. They should have beat that team, they should have won that football game. They were dominating that football game. And through their own arrogance, they found a way to lose. And that is their biggest problem. They're arrogant sometimes with the way they play. I don't know if you watch, Patrick, I don't know if you watch Brett Veach's uh, uh, presser after the, after the season ended. It's 40 minutes. Chiefs put it on YouTube. There is a point at about the 14 and a half minute mark where Veach gives you a really interesting insight into how he honestly feels about the way the season went, because he's talking about, you know, he's even open suppressor but you know, give the Bengals credit and they want it says the right thing, says professional thing. And at about 14 and a half minutes, and I'll paraphrase, you can go and watch this if you want it's, again, it's on YouTube. He says something like, well, you know, the Bengals just did what a lot of teams do. And they said, well, they're the chiefs. They're their own worst enemies. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> you don't, you don't ever hear. People in organizations say stuff like that publicly. And I don't know whether Veach kind of just slipped out or but he basically went on to say, like, you know, teams just feel like, well, the Chiefs will beat themselves. Like at some point, they'll make their own mistakes, they'll press too hard, and that's what happened. That's a that's a pretty big statement by a general manager to say that in a press conference. Like that that struck me when he said that. I actually went back and rewatched that 30 seconds to make sure I heard it right. I was like, wow, that was I don't think it shot at anybody necessarily, but it was like, it was letting everybody know how he thought about that game. And I think that's how a lot of people in Kansas city feel about it, but it goes yeah. to show you, you know, maybe what the thought is inside a one hour drive.
1: Yeah. And I hope they can address it. I know you said, you don't think Andy will, will change, but you know, he's getting sort of towards the twilight of his career here. He's got this great quarterback. He's got to start thinking about what do I want to do? for my legacy and getting another Super Bowl would certainly add to it and just making, look, he's, he's been innovative in his career. So hopefully he can find a way to be innovative and say to himself, they're dropping eight men into coverage. And if I just run the ball here, I'm going to pick up seven yards of carry. And, uh, and then I could turn my quarterback loose again. I hope, I hope he can get there. I know you don't think he will, but, uh, for the sake of, of the chiefs, cause that's what they're going to see. You know, if you're the rest of the NFL, you're looking at this year, and you're like, hey, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs kind of figured it out, but this is our best bet with these guys. So they're going to see it again next year. I just
2: don't. I don't think he'll ever change. I don't. He never has, and he's in his mid-sixties. Like he's probably not ever going to change. And I, I mean, I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking to the myself the entire second half, like, how are you? How do you have this much hubris not to just run the football? I mean, they are dropping everybody. You have Trey Smith and Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, and you're not going to run the football right. against a three-man front? You're just not going to do it? I mean, it was the height of arrogance. It was the height of arrogance. Look, this is a Chiefs podcast, and we're Chiefs fans, but one thing about this podcast, you're never going to get bullshit. They, that coaching was disastrous in the second half of the game. Yeah, And I'm not, I'm not one of these people screaming, fire Andy Reed. They're not going to fire Andy Reid. They shouldn't fire Andy Reid. But it was an egregious way to coach a football game. And I would point out, as I have pointed out on this podcast and any radio spots I've done the last two weeks talking about this game, the, the warning signs were there with them the first two playoff games. Even though they, they destroyed Pittsburgh, how do they give up the only meaningful touchdown of that game that the Steelers scored? They run an option play with McCall Hardman and Darrell Williams that they've never run. They're playing a team that they could beat by 30 points in their sleep and they fumble the ball and it gets run back for a touchdown. Like yeah. the only way you're going to get yourself in trouble in that game is stuff like that. Then they play the Bills. It's a great football game. Tyree Hill gets a big return. You're third and one at the 10. You're, you're up by two, eight minutes or so to go in the game. You run Blake Bell on an option. I mean, <laughs> what, like, what, what are you doing? What are you do- – this is where I – like, Andy Reid's a great coach, and he'll be in Canton and deservedly so one day. This is why, like, he'll never be a guy like Belichick. Do you think Belichick's got the backup tight end run an option on that play? Right. There's not a chance in hell. No, They're running the ball. They're yeah. running the ball, and they're picking up a yard, and they're getting the first and goal. But the Chiefs can't do that because it's not fun, and it's not exciting, and it's not going to end up on some kind of viral highlight clip. And that's why I lose my mind when they do stuff like this. And I and it and it carried over to the AFC title game. There were two plays in that game I always play over in my mind. First, excuse me, the first half, the end of the first half. We've all talked about it nauseum. Okay, how do you get tackled in bounds on a throw from the one yard line? How is that even possible? And like people have crapped on Mahomes for throwing the ball, and and they should. It was a ridiculous decision. How is there even a route that's not in the end zone on that play? That's right. What are you doing? How is Tyreek Hill not running that route three, four yards deep in the end zone? And then the end of the game, which I actually think is even worse, second and goal at the four, a buck 20 to go. The Bengals have no timeouts. How are you not running the ball there? You either score or you run it to 35 seconds. And you know what's funny about that? If you think about it, you go back to when they played the Bengals in the regular season. Eerily, it was the same the other way. And what did the Bengals do? They took it right down to the end of the game to kick the field goal. Yep. But the Chiefs can't do that because it's not fun and it isn't a highlight and it's not its not wacky and out of the box. You're killing them running the ball. Like just run it. And, but they won't and they don't and they're home because of it.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. All right, we're done depressing you uh, on Super Bowl week, but we had to we had to talk about it because obviously we all we're all thinking about it. Um, yeah, I'm this, more
2: angry about it than I thought it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, you would be both. This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company, KC Beer Co. is the uh, largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. They specialize in German style beers. Um, if you don't know what that means. Don't worry about it. The beer is just absolutely incredible. Um, If you are into German beers, they're one of the best in the US. They've won awards in Germany for their beer. Um, But the the styles are just outrageous. They're so good. I was out there a couple of weeks ago for the Bills game and I had their Fest beer. Oh my God. I was just like, it was like every beer I have from this place is better than the next. They've been great supporters of this podcast. You guys have been great. If you could do us a favor... Tag them on Twitter at KC Beerco. Let them know you heard about their beer from this podcast. We drank it on here. We all love it. We would be drinking it if they weren't sponsoring the podcast as Sterling Holmes is is fond of saying. Um, but we're gonna have to load back up. We need we're gonna need to get some more uh Casey beer because I'm running through my supply. How about you, Verderan?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely I think I have like one dunkel left. And then I've got to I've gotta uh reload, which is you know, being out in Illinois, it might be a long drive. The drive might be worth it. So it I, worth I'll it. have to uh I'll have to get some more. That's for damn sure. I love the, uh, I love the pills. That's I think my personal favorite. Although the Hefeweizen was right there.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. I think Matt Connor said on the podcast the other day. It was. It sounded like uh, heaven in German. Um, so, <laughs> check out Casey at Casey Bierko on Twitter and tell him that uh, Patrick and Matt sent well- you.
2: I'll tell you one thing too. I have a I have a friend uh, uh, who who comes over often. Who is from Germany. He grew up there. He lived in Germany first, not twenty five years of his life, and he he loved those beers. He had two Baltic porters and oh, nice was a huge fan. So um and then the guy the guy again he lived in Germany for twenty five thirty years of his life. So um you know if he's got the stamp of approval, then then I mean
1: that's all you need to know. Yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good. All right. <laughs> Let's talk some Chiefs. Let's talk about in-house Chiefs free agency. We've got that coming up here. You know, once the Super Bowl is over, there'll be a couple weeks and then we'll be getting into, into free agency. And the Chiefs are gonna have to, you know, if they wanna re sign some guys before they hit the open market, they're gonna have to do it soon. And the Chiefs have a lot, a lot of free agents. Um, uh, either unrestricted or restricted, but most of them are unrestricted. They also have a couple of exclusive rights, free agents, which we may touch on. But let's talk about, I, I guess for me, the three top ones, the three big ones that the Chiefs have to address are Tyron Matthew, Orlando Brown, who they traded a first round pick for, right. and Charvarius Ward at the cornerback position. Let's start with, with Tyron Matthew. We've talked about him on this podcast, and I want to get your opinion on something. We've said on this podcast, for pretty much the whole year, how valuable Tyron is to the team, how important his leadership qualities are, who are you going to replace him with, bring him right. back, right? He's a guy you want on your team. He's the leader of your defense. And one question I have for you that I'd like you to address as you, as you tell us where you stand on Tyron now is how important is when you have limited uh, cap space like the Chiefs kind of have and they have to, you have to decide where you want to spend your money because you have some big stars like Mahomes and Kelsey that you're paying. With a guy like Tyron, how important is the safety position versus like, let's say, all right, maybe you make the decision. We really need an edge rusher. We need a guy that can consistently get to the quarterback. We weren't very good at doing that this year. Do you you say, I'm just going to sign the guy like Tyron because I know he's an all-star player? Or are you going to say like, I need that money for another position that maybe I deem more important? I was just curious to get your take on that.
2: I think it's really interesting. And I think he's the linchpin of their entire offseason because, you know, and, and I'll look, I'll do more digging on that once the Super Bowl's over. And, you because know, teams haven't even really started to do that yet. I, in fact, I was talking to him, and I, I can say the name, He's going to be in a story, but uh, Shane Waldron, who's the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, I was talking to him yesterday. And, you know, he was like, I'm just sitting back enjoying vacation. I was like, great. When's your vacation end? Like, the second, the Super Bowl ends. It's like, okay. So like, I think that's kind of true of a lot of the NFL. Like once yeah. the NFL Super Bowl's done, um, like I'll, I'll start out with this. I think it's important. So the league calendar is out. You can find it on Google if you Google it. Um, the combine is March first through the seventh. I'll be in Indianapolis for that whole thing. In fact, Matt Connor, who lives in Indianapolis, is also going to be there. Um, and then free agency starts technically starts on the sixteenth which is when the new league year begins. It's when everybody has to be cap compliant, but tampering starts on the 14th. So realistically, free agency starts on March 14th at 11 o'clock in the morning, okay, central time. Um, however, the franchise window, I believe, is from February 22nd, and I know the deadline is March 8th, 3 p.m. central. So um, if you remember a couple of years ago, the Chiefs tagged Chris Jones the first day they could tag him. Tagged him right away. And obviously ended up working it out of it and and everybody went off happy. They're not going to tag Tyron Matthew because there's a provision in his deal where it would be like 120% of his current salary. He'd be he'd be mm-hmm. at like 22 million dollars. They're not tagging him. If they're gonna use the tag, it's gonna be on Orlando Brown, okay, which is like, I think 16.7 million. Um, but to answer the thing about Matthew, look, because they're not gonna tag him, if you're Tyron Matthew. Does it make sense to sign with the Chiefs right now, or does it make more sense for you to just hit the market and see what you can get? And if the Chiefs offers the best, you take it. And if not, you you say, hey, match it or I'm leaving. Now, the danger in that, if you're Tyron Matthew, is if you wait and the Chiefs spend that money and you don't get an offer that good in free agency, then you're stuck and you're getting less money to go somewhere else where you're probably not going to have as good of a chance to win. But I think, look, spending money at safety for them, I don't mind it in the sense they play a lot of three-safety looks. They move him around a lot. He's not just your typical, oh, he's going to play post-safety. He moves around. Um, I, I will tell you this because I do know this with them. They legitimately inside that building, they love him. That's not just, oh, we've got to say it at the press conference. They – I mean, I had – God it must have been trying to the Super Bowl. No, it was a year. Was a year, was a year they lost to Tampa. Um, I had somebody with the organization text me and say, if if every one of our players was like Tyron Matthew, we'd never lose a game. So I mean, that's that's the level of respect that they have. I know he wants to be there. The hard part is he turns thirty in June, and are you going to pay him through age thirty three at sixteen? I think it's going to be. I think he's going to get about 16 million a year, which is the top of the line for safeties.
1: That's what Harrison are Smith you, got, right? And yeah, he you, he was thirty two yeah. when he got that deal,
2: and and that contract was panned league wide. A lot of people yeah. thought it was nuts that deal
1: four years, oh, like, sixty four million, right? A and year. just
2: Justin Simmons, I believe, with Denver, who got it after his rookie deal, a lot younger. I think he was also at about sixteen million. Um, Jamal Adams, who's basically a linebacker at this point, got I think seventeen million a year. Mm, so, yeah, so I mean If you're Matthew, look, you're going to be sitting there Saying, I'm, I'm going to the Hall of Fame I was a pro bowler each of the three years I was here, I was a two-time first-team all-pro I'm a captain, we went to the Super Bowl twice We won one, I only missed One game in three years here, and it was because of COVID That's a hell of a lot To argue with, like, he's Going to have the right to sit there and say that And I can tell you right now, his agent's going to say that That's going to be the thing, he's going to say we have been, He's been durable, he's been a captain He's led this defense and 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 the other one Super Bowl was a transformed defense. He plays not only a normal safety spot, but he plays down and plays corner at times for them. He blitzes for them. He's got all these accolades. I mean, if the Chiefs are gonna keep him, it's gonna be at a premium. They're not gonna get him for 13 million a year. That's not happening. So do you pay him? What my guess would be is gonna be something like four and sixty-four with. Forty million guaranteed. I, I mean, you could, but if it, if he takes a half step back, that's a big deal at that price point. So, right. I think, man, of all their their free agents, I think that is the toughest one to handicap as to what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's really Harris, Harrison Smith, as we mentioned, at thirty two, with got a four year deal, which kind of set the market for Matthew. Eddie Jackson in Chicago is making 14.6 a year on a four-year deal. He's 27. Justin Simmons, 15.2 a year. He's 27. And you mentioned yep. Jamal Adams at 25, 17. So you got to figure Tyron Matthews is going to be in there. Maybe he loses a little bit of value based on age, right? But Sports Rack has him. A, they, they think his market value is 14.8. I think they're going to be going looking for at least 16, like you said, Get more than and, and, and there's going to be a team out there probably that's willing to pay it because it's, it's big money for a safety, but it's not crazy money by NFL standards. So if there's a team out there that's like, you know, we need, we need some help on our, on our defense and this guy, right. they know about his leadership. They know about his experience and they've got cap space. Well, guess what? They're going to outbid the Chiefs. So do you think he yep. gives them any kind of hometown d- discount if they say, no. Hey, look, Tyron, we can only give you 14, 13.
2: No. no, I think he tells them to get lost. And I think he should tell them to get lost. No, yeah. I, I think he would. Look, here's the problem you got if you're the Chiefs. So the top seven teams in cap space, they're all in the AFC. Every one of them. The Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Jets, the Broncos, the Colts. Now, you start looking at that list. You know who could really use the safety? The Chargers, to put with own James. And they were posting pictures together at the Pro Bowl, right? Like you, like that is known as the place to try to recruit guys. Um, you know, look, I'm not saying like the Chargers are like the leader in the clubhouse, but could he go there? Yeah, okay, good. Could. could go there. That would make sense. That'd be a hell of a tandem. And if you're the Chargers, you're stealing him away from the Chiefs, right? That, that's worth some money to you right? That's yep. worth from scratch. I think you, you look at, uh, you know, the Bengals have Jesse Bates who They're going to have to try to take care of, I don't think they'd be players for him. You know, just Matthew, does he want to go to Jacksonville? I, I, I struggle to see that. He's the guy who is such a winner. I just kind of have a hard time seeing him go there. All the money talks, uh, Miami, you know, they're actually strong in their secondary. Like, I think they're probably going to spend it elsewhere and the jets are terrible. The Broncos have Justin Simmons, but, you know, listen. The Chargers are interesting. Uh, you know, there are some other teams out there, too, that have money. I mean, I, you know, but I, look, in the end, if the Chiefs want to keep him, they'll keep him. I, I would think. I mean, they, they, they should be able to, but he's going to be expensive. If I were the Chiefs, I'd offer him three and 48 with, like, low 30s guaranteed and make it basically a two-year deal with a third-year option, and he's probably going to want a fourth year. And I, if I'm the Chiefs, that's kind of my sticking point it's hard to move on from great players, but it's not Madden. Like you can't just hold on, hold on, hold on, because, well, that's what I want to do. Like you've got to do what's best for the team. And that's a lot of money. Like they could get two or three really good players with that amount of money. So it's tough. It's a tough call for the chiefs. And I'm I'm going to be interested to see what any of my digging does here in the next couple of weeks in terms of finding out maybe more about that.
1: Yeah, you think about him going to a team like the Chargers and it sort of feels like a nightmare scenario for you, especially if you don't, if you're not able to adequately replace him. What do you, what is your feel? What do you think is going to happen and what do you want to happen? I think it's going to be an interesting negotiation. I think, I, think
2: I think they are going to make an offer to him, but I don't think it's going to be for four years. I, I and, and if it is, I think it's basically a two-year deal with two years on the back end that they can get out of. Um, I don't think they're going to essentially guarantee the third year. Maybe I'm wrong. And, and again, I have not done digging on this yet, so I'm, I'm just kind of flying blind a little bit on this right now. But that would be my initial feeling is they can't get boxed in. Like, you can't, as great as he is, do you want to be paying him when he's thirty three million 33 years old? Do you want to be paying him $16 million a year? Right. I mean, it's a lot of money. Like Orlando Brown, I don't think they'd have any problem giving him five and a hundred. None. Maybe even five and one ten. Because he's 26. And, and it's it's a totally different deal. That contract's gonna run out by the time that you know he's the age that Matthews at now. Um you go even and look, look, I'll give you an example. So Travis Kelsey is a, a, I think probably a first ballot hall of fame, it's certainly going to be in the hall of fame. So they extended him after they won the Super Bowl. His current number in it right here now. He's a he's a hall of fame tight end. His cap number this past season, 7.6. This year is 8.8. 8. Then it jumps up to 14.6 in 2023 when he's 34 years old. But the Chiefs can cut him and save 10.4 of that million, right? So you they only are only on the hook for 4.2. The following year it jumps to 16.4, but the Chiefs can cut him and they only eat 2.8. And then the last year is 18.65, but they'd only have to eat 1.4 million of it. I mean, Veach basically said, we're going to extend you through 2022. And after that, it's year to year. And if it makes sense, we'll keep you. And if it doesn't, you're gone. That's Travis Kelsey. They're not just going to lock themselves in with Tyron Matthew because they feel like they're obligated to. In this business, you pay for what you think is going to happen, not for what has happened. Right. That's how, that's how you end up being old, expensive, and not all that good. Um, I think they will negotiate with him. I think they want him back. I think he wants to be there. That's a great starting point. But I don't think they're going to just say, okay, look, no problem. Here's $50 million guaranteed. I do not think that's going to happen. I don't think it should happen as much
1: as it would hurt the losing. The Chiefs have to pay Patrick Mahomes a lot of money, and they did a great job structuring his contract so they can keep kicking cap down the road. And continue to maintain that flexibility, including this year. They can they can open up a whole boatload of space by restruct uh, not restructuring Mahomes' deal, but converting it to money. bonus and yeah. push the money, and then cut Frank Clark, and all of a sudden, you have a ton of money opens up. Um, I, I, but I I agree with you when you've got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he's all that matters, and you have to have the flexibility to put the players around him, and that's going to be obviously doing a good job in the draft, but sometimes. You're going to need to get guys in free agency to fill holes that you have. And there are, when there are veterans, you know, like if the Chiefs were in a position to go after a guy like Devontae Adams, like, I don't know, like let's say Tyreek Hill blew out his knee or something, right? They need the flexibility. Like, we got to have a guy like that. There's one available. We're going to have to pony up for him. You have to have the cat flexibility, and you don't want that money tied up in a 33-year-old safety who's on the end back end of his career.
2: By the way, like speaking of the Holmes contract, this is, again – like this is the flexibility that they have with Mahomes, which is one of the great contracts, honest to God of all time, the, the teams ever, and, and he, he's, I'm sure, not complaining. He's getting half a billion dollars. So this year, right now, as it sits, if they do nothing, if they change nothing, he's due uh, 36 million against the cap, okay. which and that, obviously, of course, they're not going to cut him, but the hilarity of this, because of the way they've structured this thing, if they cut him, their dead money is $93 million. okay. So <laughs> uh, he's safe. Now, The following year, it jumps up to 46.7 against the cap. um, And and that's really the big number. Then it goes to 44.2 in 2024. And the reason I'm bringing this up is starting in 2024, his number is 44.2. God forbid something ever happened. He's hurt. Something crazy happens. Of the 44.2, if they were to cut him, they eat 10.6 million of it. After that, it's 46.2 million, his cap number. They'd eat 4 million if they cut him. Then the final six years, 41.9, 59.9, 44.4, 44.9, 50.4, 52.4. 41.9, 59.9, 44.4, 44.9, 50.4, 52.4. If they cut them any of those six years, they don't eat one cent. Wow. That's <laughs> Flexibility. That's max. crazy. And
1: so, yeah, and now they'll be able to move it down.
2: Of course, right, exactly. And that's what they'll do. They'll just keep shoving it down. They don't care. But the, look, you mentioned one player is really interesting this offseason. Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill has one year left for $20.685 million against the cap just want to open up some space. There's a way to do it. Extend them. Because okay. they extend them, they'll probably open up $13 to $15 million in cap space. And that is a no-brainer. He's 28 years old and he has shown no signs of slowing down. Like that to me is the easy, easy, easy decision to make. Right now they're sitting at about 14 and a half million in space. So let's say you open up, let's say you open up another 14. That gets you to 28. You cut Anthony Hitchens, which I think they will do. That gets him to 36 million. Okay, now that's where you get it. like let's say you find middle ground with Tyron Matthew and you sign Brown. All right, you're probably only eating like 10 million of that this year. So you still have a ton of space. The key to their offseason is what are they doing with Matthew? And then also, are you tagging Brown or are you signing him? Because if you sign him, the way the Chiefs structure their contracts, it's probably gonna be about a seven million dollar hit this year. If you tag him it's 16.7, it's a huge difference. If you're Brett Veach, you do not want, now you can tag him initially and then work to sign him before free agency begins. That's fine. But if they get to March 16th and he's on the tag, I mean, they can sign him at any point, but then it becomes you're you're hamstrung in free agency because you have to be cap compliant from March 16th all the way through the end of the year. You have to be. Whereas they can be 50 million over the cap on March 15th. As long as they're compliant by March 16th, they're good. But once they hit March 16th at 3 p.m. Central, they have to be cap compliant and they have to remain cap compliant. Makes it a lot harder to do things like that.
1: Yeah. And so let's talk about Orlando Brown. Obviously, the Chiefs traded a first round pick to get him in the door. They wanted him to be their left tackle of the future. He's not going anywhere. Why would the chiefs consider tagging him this year instead of just locking him in for the long haul and setting that contract out much in the same way that they've done with Mahomes and some other players to give them flexibility and to plan for the future.
2: Well, (laughs) I don't think there's any reason to do it quite honestly. I, I don't think there's any reason if you're the chiefs to go that route. I think it's nuts. They, you know what you're going to have to pay him. You know what you're going to have to pay him. It's no secret here. You know, it's going to, it's going to be approximately five years and between 100 and 110 million, with probably 65 guaranteed. I mean, that, you know what it's going to be. So pay him. You trade a first round pick, you did all these things. He came in, he had a Pro Bowl season. I think we all can agree early in the year, it was a little shaky. As the year went on, he was excellent. He was everything they want him to be. Once he got used to that offense and Mahomes, and the way he drops and everything else, right. he was everything you could want. So pay him. If you're, look, to me, and this is, I'm sure if, if you know, if Veach was out there listening to this podcast, he's trying to chuckle because it's a hell of a lot easier for me to sit here like a dope in an office and scream <laughs> about this than it is for him to actually do it. I get that. But I think the obvious answer to this offseason is you'd sign Brown. You, you, and, and there's, there's not a leverage issue because if you're Orlando Brown, you know that if you don't sign, you get tagged. You want to get signed too. You want to get that long-term security. So there, there, right. there should be a middle ground there. Um, sign him. Don't have to tag him. Sign him. Extend Hill. Cut Hitchens. You do that. You've at least set up the groundwork for probably having, again, they start out at 14. You'd probably be, if they did all those things, you'd probably be right around 30 and you've got Brown signed and he'll extend it. And then you figure out, okay, what are we doing with Tyron Matthew? What are we doing with Traverius Ward? What are we doing with Frank Clark? Okay, who is, who's a big topic of conversation? Um, those are the decisions you've got to make. But I think the obvious ones are Hill, Hitchens, and Brown. And that sets you up. And look, <laughs> you're going to hear that from NFL Network, and all these other places because they have to say this, You know, teams aren't going to talk to agents until March 14th at 11 a.m. Central Time. I'm here to tell you that is the biggest load of crap on the face of the earth, okay? I will be in Indianapolis, and because I value my job and my contacts, I'm not going to be running around the JW Marriott taking pictures. But let me just tell you something. If you think it's coincidence that agents and GMs just so happen to be great friends that week and have dinner and have lunch and have drinks and hang out in each other's hotel rooms, Okay. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Like the Chiefs are going to know because every team's going to know by about March 3rd or 4th, not only where they sit financially, but where some of their targets sit financially. Are they interested in us? How much is it going to cost? What's the structure going to look like? You ever find it odd when free agency tampering opens up and a guy signs a $100 million deal in four minutes?
1: Right. Just like it's like, a yeah, miracle it's just, how that just comes yeah.
2: together like-, like that.
1: Just really uh, quick negotiating. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. And you, you look at Orlando Brown. Uh, look, uh, boy, the Chiefs really dodged one because they tried to sign Trent Williams last offseason. He was their number one target. They
2: did. And
1: great tackle, obviously. He, he got a made. six-year deal. He's 32. He yeah. got a six-year deal, $23 10000 a year. It's $138 million deal. And that is, uh, and I reckon this was very intentional. David Bakhtiari got a four-year deal, twenty-three million a year. Trent Williams twenty-three ten. There's a reason for that. Agents like yes. my guy's the best, pay him like he's the best. So that extra ten grand a year um, is for that. Do you think Orlando Brown is is going to be asking for one one up more than than Trent Williams, or is he going to land in like the Lar- Laramie Tunsil? You know, 66, he got a 66 million dollar three-year deal, 22 million a year. He's 25. Same age as he's as probably gonna ask for Williams money, but Trent Williams might have just had the greatest year of left tackles
2: ever had. If you go by pro football focus and just I mean, hell, just watch the tape. It's it's incredible. I think he probably comes in around 22 million bucks. I think that's probably right around where it's gonna be. And, and listen, you know, it could be give or take, right? And and also to, sometimes too. They can announce the deal as like, hey, it's 23 and a half a year, but like in reality, like the fifth year is not guaranteed, and it's like 30 million dollars that year. Like, whenever you hear these contracts, don't ever, 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 ever care about the overall value of the contract. Care about the structure and care about the guaranteed money. That's all that matters in an NFL contract. Everything else is is a ridiculous waste of time. So uh, agents will always pump out there the absolute highest possible figure. They'll, every incentive gets hit and all sort of stuff. But I think I think he's probably like I said. I think he's probably between five and one, one hundred and five. It's yeah, probably even a little higher. It's probably between like five and like one hundred five and one ten. Probably gets like six, you know, sixty some odd guaranteed, and it probably really is like a four year contract. And look, I think it's always instructive too. Look at how the Chiefs have signed other guys. So like Joe Tooney. They just signed him that he's a guard, but they paid him an, an absolute fortune for a guard, it's the highest paid interior offensive lineman in NFL history. Okay, and he earned his money this year. So his contract is five years to $80 million. So it's what $16 million a year. His cap number in the first year was $4.5 million. That's it. That's all it was. Now, this year it jumps to 17.8. It's a lot more in line with the average of the contract. Okay, they can't they can't cut him this year, even if it thinks has gone horribly last year, they couldn't cut him. Now, I know because I wrote about this story in and, and, and talking to Mike McCartney, uh, Joe Tooney's agent, he mentioned the big, big part of that contract for them was getting the third year guaranteed. That was a big thing. Uh, and they were able to do that. You know, If the Chiefs were to cut Tooney, they would eat more money than they would save. After that, the last year's contract, the cap hits 19.4, but they'd save 12.6 if they cut him in the first year and they'd save 16 in the second. So I think you'll probably see something similar with the numbers just a little higher for Brown. I think it'll be like five and like, let's just even say 110. Let's say it's 22 a year. Okay. That initial cap number is probably like six million, five and a half million, And then the first two years after that are probably guaranteed. And then probably the fourth year is maybe like partial guarantee. And then the fifth year is basically a team option.
1: Smart, smart cap management is really, really important for somebody in Brett Veach's position and the team that he has working on that, especially when you have a really good team. How many times have we seen really good teams just kind of get in a cap hell? And I know everybody likes to say that the salary cap is a myth. and, And to a degree it is because there are so many levers that these guys can pull and maneuvers that they can make. But sometimes when you have a lot of really good players and they're really expensive and you're doing a bunch of signing bonuses and you're doing all these things, you can find yourself in a pickle and not to have much mobility. So that's, uh, probably a really underrated part of, of Brett Beach's tenure with the Chiefs is his ability to get these contracts in a really good place and to be thinking way down the road about what he wants to do. I want to ask you about Charvarius Ward. Undrafted out of Middle Tennessee by the Cowboys in 2018, has played really well for the Chiefs. Not a flashy player, but he's just always there, usually in the right position, you saw how the Chiefs played when he was injured, and when he came back, how much better the defense got. Market value for him, according to SportsRack, is four years, thirty-nine point six million, with an average salary of about nine point nine million. So about ten million dollars a year for Charvarius Ward. I think that sounds like a bargain for a guy who's twenty-six years old. Um, it puts him in line with like a Bradley Roby, a Logan Ryan, a Ronald Darby, a Kendall Fuller. Yep. But does he test the market and get more, you know, does he get overpaid by a team that really needs a cornerback? We all know how important that position is. He
2: might, but if I'm the Chiefs, I'm signing him. I would I would sign him, and I, I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd, g- I'd give him 4 and 40, absolutely. 25 million guaranteed, something like that. You know, two yeah. years guaranteed, 30 years, you know, partial. Why not? He's young. He's gotten better every year. They asked him to basically be the number one corner this year. I thought he did a hell of a job. Like, you're not going to sign that guy? And, and what exactly do you have behind him? A guy like Sneed's terrific and Fenton's a solid player. But who's your third guy? I mean, Mike Hughes is leaving. I think DeAndre Baker's the guy. I think we can safely say that. So, what are you doing? I mean, I, to me, I, again, if you listen to Veach's presser, he talked specifically about the fact that they are going to be aggressive on the defensive line and that they know they okay. have to shore up their secondary. Well, <laughs> if you lose your various ward, that's not helping you shore up your secondary. I I don't I don't think you can let him walk out the building if, what, for ten million bucks. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's not it's not like oh my god they, they can't afford this either. I mean, th- this year his cap it would probably be three million bucks. If I'm the Chiefs, I am keeping him. I am extending him. And I think if you're Ward, why wouldn't you? It's the only place you've ever known. You you've got the trust of the coaching staff. Um,
3: you've you know, had the a lot defense. Of success.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like right? so, I most guys. I mean, think about you in your life, right? Most people don't want to leave. Like. Maybe if you really hate the situation here and that's one thing. if you don't hate the situation, here, like, are you in a big rush to move halfway across the country and right, uproot your whole right. life? Like most people, yeah. they don't want to do that. You know, most guys don't want to do that. Um, I think Ward look, I think for the chiefs, there are three free agents that they have that, to me, are just easy decisions. Brown is, is the easiest. Ward is the second easiest. And then assuming he wants to come back, Melvin Ingram's is the third. Like that's not even a question. Just bring him back. The funny thing is, Ingram's probably the hardest one in the sense that it's probably a one year deal. And let's say he gets like seven or eight million bucks, you can't spread that money out. It's just eight million against your cap. Yeah. That's actually what makes it harder to sign Ingram. Like, so I actually, this is a good time to bring up this thought I had here today. Everybody always talks about when teams are up against the cap, how hard it is. Oh, well, are they going to be able to sign so and so, right? Are they going to be able to sign a big player? It's easier to sign a guy. To a lengthy contract when you're up against the cap then compared to a one-year deal. Can't spread the money. You cannot. And I actually, I can honestly say I thought about this like a week ago. And then Beach brought this up in his presser and he talked about it. And I was like, well, that's because to you know we're thinking the same way on this. Like, it's it's easier if you're the Chief, and let's just say, let's say we want uh chief, Chiefs want a third wide receiver or a third weapon, second wide receiver. And I'm just throwing out numbers, but let's say Juju Smith-Schuster goes, I want one year and, and, and $8 million. And Chris Godwin comes to them and says, look, I want four years and seven. The In your brain, you'd say, oh, it's, well, my God, Smith-Schuster is so much easier to afford him, but it's not because you're paying him $8 million that first year, and the cap's going to keep going up exponentially over the next few years. Yep. The Chiefs, I guarantee you if the Chiefs were presented with that and they wanted each guy and they got those contracts, I guarantee you they would sign Chris Godwin. It's probably gonna be four million against a cap. Like it's. He's, he's also a
1: way better wide receiver.
2: <laughs> right, right, but that's the point. Yeah. Like it's right. easier.
1: It's yeah. easier
2: if you're the Chiefs. Like it's easier to sign Charveris Ward on a four-year, forty million dollars deal because you could spread the money out. You can structure it. Yeah. You can't structure a one-year contract. That's what makes it hard. So look, I, I actually I think Ingram. I think they'd love to have him back. The question is, can they get him back? On a one year contract. It's going to be hard because it's hard to eat that money up front. Whereas if you're spreading it, it's like look at Mahomes' contract, right? Like that's the ultimate example. They can afford that contract, no problem. It's over 12 years. Right. Like they can just keep spreading it out. They don't care. What the hell's 30 million spread over three years? What do they care? You know, I mean, that's where the difference comes in. And I think that that's a you know, it's a point that gets overlooked a lot of times because people think, well, if they don't have a lot of space. I actually think the Chiefs are a lot more likely to be involved in the first wave of free agency with the bigger contracts in the, in the latter portion of it because you can spread those contracts out. They could sign two huge guys this offseason on, on four or five-year contracts and pay $9 million for both of them on the cap this year. Compare it to Melvin Ingram at one year, $8 million. It's, just, it's financial sense.
1: Do you think that they would go after a Chris Godwin if he hits the market or a Devontae Adams?
2: I don't think Adams is going to be available. I, I I think the Packers will tag him. I'd be shocked if he's available. Now, I could see them going after Allen Robinson. I could see them going after Chris Godwin. Yeah. I mean, look, again, history indicates what's going to happen in the future. Think about the off-seasons they have had under Brett Beach. They are not about sitting around. That is not what they do. It is not who that team is. I mean, they are big believers in you go get star players and we can fill in around those guys we believe in our ability to draft we can fill in that way which by the way they've been right with that. that has worked they've drafted very very well the last couple of years okay everybody gets so hung up on the ceh pick but go get the rest of their picks i mean they had three studs this year last year they had willie gay and they have a sneed i'd say that's worked out all right um Those guys are young and they're cheap and they're talented and and they're, and they're productive. And so when you have guys like that, you can go out and spend, don't forget this team last year, they signed Tooney. They tried to sign Trent Williams. That's right. And I remember, so I remember reporting on that because I had heard they were in on Tooney. And so I was trying to get in on that and I ended up writing the story afterward, but so they signed Tooney. I reach out to a source in the league. What do you hear? And Chiefs now they signed Tooney, so they're out on Williams. And the guy was like, oh, they're not out on Williams. They're still trying to sign him. They were going to sign them both. They were going to sign both guys. They just believe in you invest big money, you get big results. That's what you do. And they have an owner who's willing to spend the money. So, you know, I think they will continue to be aggressive this offseason. I don't think they're going to sit back. I think they're going to extend Hill. I think they're going to open up space one way or another in some other avenues, whether it's Mahomes' contract or it's, or it's signing Brown, not having to tag him. And I think they are absolutely going to try to get another receiver. Again, what did they do last year? They tried to get J.J. Smith-Schuster. They offered him more money than Pittsburgh did. They, they tried to sign Josh Reynolds. They tried this, this season. During this season, they tried to sign Odell Beckham. They are telling you what they think. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely believe they'll be
1: Josh Gordon, bringing him in. They were were, there. They were not happy with the situation they had. They clearly
2: do not believe they have enough. They are going to try to add another guy. And when you have Mahomes, by the way, you never have enough ever. Right. You, you try to put an offense around that guy that is just unstoppable. That's what you do every year. And if the defense is just decent, you're going to win 13, 14 games. So I, I think, and this is totally my opinion. They finished 30th in the league in sacks this year. It's completely unacceptable. Yep. You're paying a fortune to Jones, a fortune to Clark. Okay, you paid good money for Jerron Reed. You are constantly rushing the passer with the way this team plays offense. You're 30th in the NFL in sacks. It's a disgrace.
1: Yep.
2: I can guarantee you they're not thrilled about that inside that building. That is going to be an emphasis. We've got to get better there. We've got to get more pressure. We've got to not just get pressure where they're actually the pressure rate wasn't bad, but their sacks weren't enough. I think they will they will do whatever they've got to do to try to fix that, and also get him a weapon. If they walk out of this offseason and they have up their sack uh, rate and they have given themselves another weapon, I think that you know, the Chiefs feel great. You go in the draft, you just you get whoever you feel is is best available.
1: So they have a lot more free agents. We're not going to go through all of them, um, right. but uh, there's a few that stand out to me Is like they uh, they got two running backs who are free agents, Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is your guy. You just drafted him the first round, had some injury issues, maybe not what you hoped he would be, but a solid running back. Do you Do you see them trying to bring back either of those guys or both? And are they happy with their running back position or do they want to try to get a little bit more dynamic there? Because one thing I said to Matt Connor, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago was that I feel like those guys are all sort of fine. They're all fine. Right. And right. I remember this offense and how dynamic it was when they had a cream hunt and it was like, oh man, like they would, they would dump that ball off and he would do bad things to defenses. Do they want somebody like that? Or are they just like, we're good. We're not going to run the ball anyway. Let's get receivers.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Andy, I think, is actually trying to cut every running back off the team. So they right. just don't have the get, option get them, anymore. Get them you no, know, it. Um, like, you know what? I think they'd love that. But at the same point, like, I I thought at the end of the year, they found something with Williams and McKinnon. I mean, by the end of the year, I mean, Williams had over a thousand yards from scrimmage. Right. Um, the question is, do they bring them both back? Look, as much as Chief fans like both those guys, it's not like either one of them going to command a lot of money. Like McKinnon's not going to commit. McKenna might get a million bucks, and uh, which, by the way, is hilarious to say. That's not a lot of money. Like,
1: you, <laughs> right, I'll, yeah. I'll take
2: I'll take the ball for a million bucks. Con- I, context, I'll, I'll, be in a, I'll be in a coma by the by the fourth time I get hit. But I'll take oh,
1: hey, the Dolphins, the Dolphins will pay a hundred grand a loss. All you got to do is My, go be
2: incompetent. I'm, am hey, I can do that. I'm, I'm more, <laughs> I'm, I'm built for that. Yeah. Um, no, listen, you know what? It's, I think they'll bring back at least one of them. But if I'm the Chiefs, I'd bring back both of them. I mean, why not? Why not? Like you you first of all, Edward Dallaire, each of the last few years has missed some time. Not that he's missed a ton of time, but he's missed time. Um, and you know, look, they like Gore, so maybe you just say, well, you bring back one of those guys. I at bare minimum, one of them. And it would probably be Williams because he's just the more complete back. But McKinnon, McKinnon was really good at the end of the year. I mean, like, yeah, I if I'm the Chiefs. I'm bringing them back. I'm bringing a bold back. It's not going to cost you a lot of money. It's not like you're going to have four running backs on the roster anyway. Like how much money are you saving by not signing one of those guys? It's not like, it's not like you're paying one of them 5 million and you could sign a guy off the street for 800 grand. Like you're not paying them that much. So if I'm the chiefs, I'd, I'd try to bring a bolt back. I don't, I don't think there's any reason not to. And they they give you different skill sets. Like between them, they are dynamic. So I, I think there's actually um, a lot of reason for the Chiefs to just bring him back and save some money and also get some good good benefits out of it.
1: They also have Derek Gore, who showed some some really nice flashes last year. Uh, he's a he's an exclusive rights free agent. So if they offer him anything, he's oh, he's, he's back with back. the Chiefs. Yeah. Um. Interestingly enough, he's 27. No, he's realize how old he was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been around for a bit. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see who sort of emerges from that group and who's back. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Chad Henney. This is, I know none of us want to be talking about the backup quarterback for the chiefs ever. Right. But I think it's an important position. Henny's 36 and a half. It's going to be 37. He doesn't cost anything, but things happen. And, you know, we saw it before, and he, Chene, Henny has stepped in and helped out in a playoff game. Matt Moore did a nice job for the Chiefs, but the, the, those were two relatively short stints of duty. If something were to happen to Mahomes, you know, like uh, God forbid, but like a high ankle sprain or something where, you know, he couldn't play or and he was going to miss extended time four or six games with a competitive AFC and a competitive AFC West. Do you like the Chiefs' approach to having like these sort of dinosaur backup veteran quarterbacks, or would you rather they go? I, I really like what the what the Baltimore Ravens have done with their backup quarterback situation in recent years. Right, they had guys that fit their system, fit their skill set. we a little bit they, they had RG three there for a little while, and then uh, the guy this year, what Huntley was his name, right? Tyler Huntley, yes. um, yep. who played very well when he came in. Um, do, do you think the Chiefs should consider? That is a contingency plan because you're trying to win Super Bowls. Not all injuries are season-enders, but they can be season disruptors. And do you want somebody who with maybe a little bit more sizzle in that backup quarterback room? I actually would like to see them promote uh, Shane
2: Bouchel, who they, they brought on last year as an undrafted free agent, and he spent the whole year on the practice squad. They protected him. They liked him. So I'm not saying I wouldn't like, bring him in with no competition. I'd probably sure. bring in a veteran before some competition. But if Bouchel proves in camp that he can win the job, then I'd give him the job. Like I I I like having a guy back there who you're like, okay, look, he could be the backup for the next six, seven, eight years and really be there. You know, Henny Henny's been fine, but he's older. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think look if Mahomes gets hurt, they're screwed anyway. Let's just be honest. I mean I, but you know what, I would I mind them you know, having Bouchelle really practice, uh, you know, and 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 rep for the backup job. And maybe you bring in somebody like Andy Dalton to go against him. You know, like maybe that's the answer. Or or, or everybody's boy, Fitzmagic, Magic, who who by the way, the Chiefs still owe a Super Bowl ring too. That's right. Um like by the way, if they could bring him in just for just for who he is as a person, bring him yeah. in. Yeah. Hilarious individual. Like bring him in. Like that guy, I, I don't ever want to see him play, but I'm all for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Travis Kelsey in the same locker room. It'd be incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: he can win you some games if you need to win some games. Like it's oh, not, yeah. you, you don't want him to, you don't want him to start half the season. But I would feel great about Patrick Mahomes and a combination of Shane Bouchotte and, and somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick. That would be, if I was a coach, that's how I would always want it. I'd want my, my franchise guy a younger developmental player who has skill set that I like, and then an, an old veteran who's wily and can, can get me some wins. I'd
2: move on from Henny just because I think he's long in the tooth, but there's a lot of options out there. Fitzpatrick. Now he's, he is long in the tooth. He's 39 years old. I'm, I'm half kidding with him, but Dalton's 34 cam Newton. I don't want, I think he's done at this point. I'll give you a guy, Tyrod Taylor. Hmm. I, Tyrod Taylor would be a hell of a backup. I mean, on that team, he could definitely win some games. Yep. Like, Tyrod taylor keep you afloat uh bridgewater i don't think is going to take that job jacoby Brissett, i'm out on trubisky uh, that would be some poetic justice wouldn't it he backs up mahomes after that draft
1: well especially if somehow uh they ended up uh with what's his face coming back um from chicago why can't i spit out his name right now um what the what, who, field, Matt or? Nagy, if Matt Nagy, oh, Matt Nag- Nag- there, Nag- you know, yeah. could he come back to coach the quarterbacks or, you know what I yeah, mean? Right,
2: Nagy. right, yeah. right. But I would let Henny go. And I'd like to see Bouchelle compete with one of these types of guys. Dalton. Um Fitzpatrick is the only guy who's older, who I would, because he's he's been good for a long time and he'd be one of the better backs in the league. But I get Dalton. Tyrod, I would love Tyrod Taylor as a back quarterback.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, You know, I'm not, I'm not a big Mariota guy. I don't think he's good. I never thought he was any good. But, yeah, there are some options. There are some options out there. Chase Daniel, man's free. <laughs> bring, him you know, like,
1: bring, bring him back home. Bring him back home. What's Nick Foles doing? Is he on a roster? Uh, Nick Foles is signed somehow through next year, yes. <laughs> um, um, I, what a, speaking of Wiley veterans, how about Andrew Wiley, 27, going to be a free agent, He's made $920,000. I mean, you bring him back as a depth piece. Or does he go out there and say, hey, I started a lot of games for this team at right tackle, held my own. Amy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think he was solid. Like, he's not going to get paid a ton, but he might get a job. As a, like, I think if the Chiefs are going to sign him, they got to sign him as a starter. But I'll tell you what, with Lucas Niang getting hurt and tearing his patella at the end of the year, I think for the Chiefs, you got to bring back Andrew Wiley. Like, yeah. and, and I mean, look, you probably just move on from Remmers, who was out with a back injury, right? That's probably done at this point. I'm not saying I'd sign Wiley to a three-year contract, but would I bring him back for you know two years and seven million? Yeah. I would he listen, I'll say this about Andrew Wiley. He's not the other four guys, but he's not bad either. Like when is the last time you watched Andrew Wiley and you're like, oh God, he's just getting them killed? Super he, does, he doesn't. Like <laughs> you know, he's he's solid. So yeah. I you know, I think I think for him, if you're the Chiefs, makes a lot of sense to bring him back. I think I think uh, and if he turns into a really nice depth piece, that's fine. He can play guard. He can play tackle, right? So you have that flexibility. Um, I'd like to see him back. I think I think he makes a lot of sense to bring him back. If Niang wasn't hurt, I might have a different opinion. But Niang's hurt, and that's a nasty injury, man. He that he might be out for most of next year. You know, maybe not, yeah. but it's certainly possible.
1: And as we start to wrap up here, I got a three pack for you, Daniel Sorensen. Ben Neiman and Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, I just I just suffered an aneurysm. What guys, Neiman's only twenty six. Verderim.
2: Any- oh my, who is Neiman? <laughs> He's a young guy. He's cheap. They've they been bring, bring back any of them. I'm taking a month long, long vacation. I I, I just can't. <laughs> if, if if I gotta listen to one more person tell me, well, you know, they're good on special. I don't care. Yeah. If there's Steve Tasker on special teams, I can't, and by the way, they're not. Like, I can't, I can't bring back anything.
1: Marcus Kemp. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, sure. Like, so honestly, bring it. It's fine. Bring it. Like Lamons was the best special teams player they had last year before he got hurt. I am I am so done. If they bring back to Marcus Robinson, my head's gonna explode. I can't take it. Six <laughs> years and they and he runs the wrong route, it feels like every other time they target him. And then Neiman is is what he is. And so like, you know what? Dan Sorensen, I'll always have what I hope is at least a little bit of a nuanced take on him. That guy had a great career in Kansas City. Say whatever you want about him. They, I, will, I will go to my grave saying and believing they would not have won the Super Bowl the year they did without him. That Texans game, he almost single-handedly turned that game around. Like yep. He has had some huge moments in Kansas City, but it's over. It's just, it's fine. He had a great career. as an undrafted free agent, but it's time, it's time for them to move on. And then with Neiman, like, what are we doing? I mean, he, he, it. You have to take, you have to take the keys away from Spagnuolo with this stuff. You can't allow him to put Neiman in on third down anymore. And by the way, Sorensen, uh, he he just played his eighth year in Kansas City. Huh. Guy ended up having, and you know oh, what's amazing? I, I mean. Uh, in 2020, he had 91 tackles. Like, yeah. I mean, 91 tackles. You know, it, it, listen, he for his career, he ended up, he he did more than probably even he would would have thought he would have done. Right? I mean, guy, 12 yep. picks in his career, and he had some huge ones in the playoffs. Daniel Sorensen, nobody over the years, other than maybe Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, has made more of of a, of a impact than. Than Daniel Sorensen. Nobody. I mean, he did some incredible things. Like, I always, I'm always amazed. He, in his career in the regular season, in 111 games, forced four fumbles in 111 games. In the playoffs, in 15, he forced two and has a pick. Like, the guy's just, a – but it's time. It's it's done with him. It's done with Neiman. And my God, is it done with the Marcus Robinson? Just enough. Please, I can't take it anymore.
1: You think they bring Blake Bell back, thirty years old? I don't know. I mean, probably
2: to run the option in a key spot. It's going to make me <laughs> go go white in, the, in the face. I but like, yeah, you know, I really do genuinely ask myself: like, if they let him go, then who are they going to bring in? That's going to make me blow a blood vessel. Who's it going to be?
1: Right. Who's going right.
2: to like? Are are we going to get like Nick Allegretti running the option next year? Because <laughs> really, that's all that's left. Yeah. Like, are we going to have a play next year where the Chiefs line up with, like, like Derek Naughty at slot receiver, you know, and then run him on a goal route? Like, what, what, what's left? What, what else can they possibly do other than just run for a yard? I, I mean well, –
1: they, they got Tommy Townsend over there with the cannon. They could get him throwing some passes on the goal line.
2: I, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't already done it. I, <laughs> I mean, it, it is – it is insane. Like, I, I really sometimes – I wonder if you told Reed, listen, it's like a Sophie's Choice thing, okay? You you either can run the ball for two yards and a first down on third and two, or you can pull a fan out of section 328 who, who can throw the ball to himself as he runs down the sideline. Like, what do you think? I really think, Anthony, would be like you would almost start to have to shake before he said, you know, let's hand off. Like, it's just – so – I look forward to if they lose Blake Bell. Who's the next? Is it, do we just go to Noah Gray? Like is he just the next one in line, or is he too athletic? Do we have to find somebody who's less athletic <laughs> than Blake Bell? Yeah, you know, I, I I'm fascinated.
1: A lot of the remaining free agents are guys that are easily, I don't want to say easily replaceable. I'm not trying to to rip on them, but they're they're replacement level players, right? A, a Byron Pringle who played very well. He's going to be a free agent, you know. Like we said, Demarcus Robinson, Kyle Long. This is probably the end of the road for him. Michael Burton at fullback. He's thirty. You know, you can find somebody to do that if you want to keep with the fullback. Armani Watts. He's only twenty-five. Never really caught on. Wouldn't be surprised if, if he's gone or wow. a, a you know a very cheap signing just to come back to be a special teams guy. So it's going to be about those few guys we mentioned, the big ticket guys. And then, and I'm sure we're going to address this in, you know, in the coming weeks here, who's going to hit the market? Who are the guys that aren't on the Chiefs right now that the Chiefs are going to want to add? And then after that, we're going to be talking about the draft. And the Chiefs have some picks this year.
2: By the for way, once. Following, <laughs> they do. They do.
1: I've been following Twitter, and uh,
2: the NFL today announced that there's going to be games played in Germany each of the next four seasons, regular season games. Um, I'll tell you right now. You can bet your bottom dollar the Chiefs are going to be playing in one of those games, and I wouldn't be surprised with next season. They, um, they have a very strong relationship in Germany. They are on TV there a lot. Believe that or not, it's true. Um, they, uh, if you look at the video the NFL put out, I was just watching it. Like, there's like a lot of like Chiefs clips in it, and I'm, it, I, I would, I would venture a guess that the Chiefs, if not next year, certainly one of the next few years, but. They'll probably be over in Germany at some point. And so if you want to make a trip to Germany and catch the Chiefs, well, you're about to have your wish here.
1: Do you think they'll use that game, that extra game where, you know, you're supposed to have an extra road game? So like the Chiefs played the Packers this year at home right. and they'll play uh, with the, the Buccaneers next year yeah. away. Could that be the Germany game? That would that would suck for Tampa, who was on the you know was tough on the break. road, and doesn't get a home game. Yeah, tough break. I would love that for the Chiefs. I don't think you can take a home game for the Chiefs since they're already at a disadvantage.
2: Right, right. So it, it would I think have that to would kind right. of be a rough. Yeah, I think it would have to be like a road game, um, with an NFC team, because otherwise you're taking an AFC team's home game away again. Yeah. yeah I, by the way, already Chiefs getting a break for next year with Tom Brady retiring. Yep. Bring in Kyle Trask, boys and girls. Bring in <laughs> Kyle Trask. I, yeah. Oh, that's nice. That helps. But yeah, no, I think um, I think that yeah, that's a good call. I was thinking the same thing. Like um, their schedule next year, they play. Oh God, what division do they play in the NFC? They just played the East, and the year prior to that, they played the South, and then the year prior to that, the Super Bowl year, it's going to be the NFC West. That's going to be interesting. Um, so, I mean, maybe one of those teams. I'd have to look at who the road games are, but maybe one of those two teams. I, you know, they get on the road out of the West, but, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a total possibility that that's what you're looking at, and that would be really interesting. Uh, I, we're going to have to get fans, so I to send this over there. Yeah,
1: agreed. Um, at Cardinals, it looks like, um, Rams is going to be at Arrowhead. Could be yeah. playing the defending Super Bowl they champions. They play the
2: Niners there. on the road
1: yeah niners i could see him sending the niners over that's a would you go yeah. i'm trying to think of would you fly east or would you go no you'd go you'd go east to germany right
2: you'd be a hell, i'll tell you what that'd be a hell of a ride for those boys oh my yeah, god it's,
1: that's a long one if they do have to go if they do go east yeah it's going to be an interesting Chiefs have a tough schedule next year they do they do we can finish up this
2: because you know it's random but yes they are uh their schedule is not going to be easy. As you mentioned, they have nine road games, like every AFC team does, eight at home. That, that alternates every year until the NFL finally squeezes 18 games out of the players' union, which will probably be in about three years. Um, I mean, their road games – well, the, the division I'm not going to read off. You already know that. But they're at Arizona. They're at Houston. They should, they should smoke. They're at Indy. It's not the easiest game in the world. They should probably win that game. Uh, they're at the Niners, and they're at the Bengals, which, hey, third crack at Joe Burrow. Let's see. Let's see if the Chiefs can finally win a game. In Cincinnati, uh, and,
1: again, don't you hate how that works out sometimes? Yeah.
2: You know, the funny thing, you're right. Like, they are at Cincinnati again, then the other road games at Tampa. But they're home to the Bills, so I'm sure the Bills are screaming like they've seen it in a Farrowhead Stadium.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, they get the Seahawks at home. They get the Rams at home. Titans at home. And then they get the Jaguars at home. So, uh, you know, AFC night. South, NFC West, and then you get the first-place schedule. So you get the Bills, you get the Bengals, and you get the Bucks. which the Bucks actually, I think it's, it, that works out for the Chiefs. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, you're gonna get the yeah, you know, you're gonna get the Bills and all the Bengals on the road. Hey, listen, when you're in first place all the time, you get hard schedules. It's the way it goes.
1: You, you got to play those other first place teams, and sometimes it works out in your favor. Sometimes a team that's not very good wins their division, and you, and you you could play them. But the, the thing that's going to make the the you know coming years hard for the Chiefs is because there are a bunch of really good quarterbacks now in the AFC. It's like look the Bills are probably going to win that division every year, right? Yep, you're going to so keep saying them. You're going to play, you're going to have to play Josh Allen every By the year. Way, it's not a situation where everybody sucks and and you're getting a, right. a bad quarterback.
2: By the way, uh if the Bengals win on Sunday, I will bet you $500 that the Chiefs open up the season at Cincinnati.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be a good <laughs> How one. How much you
2: want to put on that? Okay. Yep. Burrow, Mahomes, um with my God, would the Chiefs be motivated in that game. Although, you know, listen, uh, you would you would have thought they'd be motivated in the last thirty minutes of uh, City, uh the City, title yeah. game. And you yeah. know, why start now? So yeah. Yeah. but uh yeah, no, 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 it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna we'll have a few trips, I'm sure, out to KC next year. And uh yeah. we'll have to we'll have to pick a few games to to go. I I mean, hell, that Bills game is staring you in the face. And then the divisional games. I mean, if if Rogers is on Denver, or you know, I mean you know, the obviously the Raiders, it's a great rivalry. You got Herbert, I mean there's <laughs> There is no shortage. There is no shortage of,
1: uh, of good games to see next year with the Chiefs. It's going to be great. We got to get out of here, man. We got to pack. We're, we we're, we're hitting the air, with, air tomorrow. Um, listen, everybody, we thank you so much for, for listening to this podcast. And, and, and for this episode, we did so many um, live on YouTube, and it's really helped us grow the show. For the audio-only audience, I just want to say how much we appreciate you and how much we appreciate your patience. I know that yep. you're not watching – these live shows when we do them on YouTube and that we're trying to, we've got a lot of people in the chat and we want to try to interact with those people too, but we don't forget about you and we're going to try to continue to refine our crafter, but appreciate you and and your understanding is it's really enabled us to, to grow the show and bring you more great content. So thank you for your understanding there. And um, the the guys will be back on, on Tuesday. um, And we've got a very special interview coming on Friday with Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the Arrowhead Attic YouTube channel. So check that out. And also, Verterim and I talked to Gracie Hunt uh, yesterday. And we're going to play that for you now. If this episode wasn't long enough for you, tough break. We've got an interview with Gracie Hunt, uh, daughter of Chiefs owner Clark Hunt of the great Hunt family. And uh, it was a nice conversation with her. Some interesting stuff about the, their suite there at Arrowhead Stadium and uh, some stuff that she's doing with the Special Olympics, which is a cause near and dear to our hearts. So give that a listen. And uh, Verterim and I will see you here. uh, We're both on vacation next week. Yeah. So we won't be here on Thursday. So we'll see you the following week. We'll be back on our normal time slot two Thursdays from now. Um, If you're interested in being a member of the Arrowhead Attic podcast, hit that join button over on the YouTube channel. And uh, you can chat with us in the private Discord. Everybody that is a subscriber uh, to, to a sustaining member that joins gets access to the invitation to that discord it's really cool we have a lot of fun in there talking football pretty much 24 7 if you can't get enough football talk that is definitely the place to be so check that out um all right well we appreciate you guys so much leave us that five-star review over on apple podcast we'll read it on the podcast all right we're out of here for matt Verterham, my name is patrick allen we're going to the super bowl just not the way we want it we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks but until then go chiefs Welcome in, Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam here. We've got a couple of really special guests we're excited to have on the podcast today. We have Gracie Hunt, daughter of Kansas City Chiefs. He's the chairman, right, Gracie? Is that Mm -hmm. his official title now? Yeah, chairman of the Kansas City Chiefs, Clark Hunt. And uh, we've also got Renee Manfredi from Special Olympics. You guys are working together to promote Special Olympics. How are you guys doing today?
4: We're doing great. Doing so good. good. Excited to be chatting with you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Uh, this is really exciting for us. Uh, FanSided. Uh, we're partnered with special Olympics as well. We've got a great vertical on fansided.com called why we play, uh, that puts a focus on special Olympics athletes. We've been working on it for about a year now. We're really excited and we're going to be volunteering down at special Olympics in Orlando, uh, in June. So we're really excited to that. Maybe we'll, I don't know if you guys will be there. Maybe we'll get to see you in person.
4: And that'd be that fun. Definitely be there.
1: Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to have to, we're going to have to meet up. So um, uh, Gracie, now I, I didn't know this about you until recently when we were preparing for this interview, but in high school, you were a a unified player on the special Olympics MLS team. Um, I read on your Instagram that uh, last October, you said it really impacted your life. Could you explain a little bit about what it means to be a unified player for people who might not know and how that experience impacted you?
4: Absolutely. Being a unified player was one of the greatest experiences. And I did not know what to anticipate going into that. Um, I had never worked with people who have special needs before, but it really taught me that no matter what you face in life, you can overcome it and achieve whatever goal or dream you have for yourself. And a unified team is a sports team that's a blend of people who have disabilities and those who do not, just to promote the inclusive nature and unifying force of sports. Uh, So I played on that team for a couple of years and then got into sideline reporting for Special Olympics matches. And just the rest is history. I've been able to lobby on Capitol Hill on behalf of Special Olympics and do so much with the organization. And it's just such a pleasure to get to be here with Ms. Renee and promote it so more people can become aware and involved.
2: You know, Gracie. In, in 2018, you started doing some sideline reporting at those unified matches. And, and I'm curious for you, what was that experience like, um, you know, having grown up around professional sports, obviously your family's so involved for generations. Um, have you ever considered pursuing some kind of a career in sports broadcasting?
4: I absolutely have considered it. One of my degrees is in journalism and I worked in my college's journalism department, did a lot of our on-camera stuff and a lot on the writing side as well. And it's definitely a passion of mine, so I wouldn't rule it out for the future.
1: What would you be interested in doing? Sideline reporting, in-studio analysis? I think I also read in an article that you were, did you say that you were, you were interested in maybe becoming the first female commissioner of the NFL?
4: That is correct. I'm getting my master's in sport management right now. And it's funny because I would love to steal Miss Kay Adams' job and host good morning football. But my issue with this is I have such a non biased perspective of all of the teams, and I just only have one favorite. So it's really <laughs> would be a sure. difficult thing for me to sort of put that bias aside but it's definitely something I love. Maybe I could do it, um, in a different sport where I was a little, um, more neutral on how I felt about it and could really just focus on the game.
1: Uh, as a couple of big Chiefs fans, we, we, we know how you feel. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Renee, I wanted to ask you, uh, we found out you were going to be on the call, did, did a quick bit of research on you you've You've been uh, a special, in a Special Olympics for 14 years, I think I read, and you participated in soccer, which I think, Gracie, you, you also played, um, basketball, swimming, and softball. Did you have a favorite event that you, uh, you like competing in the most?
3: Yes, thank you for asking. I actually enjoy swimming. I've loved to <laughs> swim ever since I learned how to swim when I was five years old. And as a proud Navy child, we always lived in places that had water. And so there was always an opportunity to swim. And we recently moved from Hawaii. So I got to swim every single day. And I recently learned how to do stand-up paddleboard before we moved. And that's a really great exercise and just a fun activity. So yes, swimming would be my favorite.
2: How would you say, uh, Renee, that, that, social, that, uh, that, that Special Olympics has impacted your life?
3: Oh, my gosh. I am so glad you asked that. Um, well, we'll kind of backtrack a little. My story, I would say Special Olympics has changed my life in ways that I never saw coming. When we moved to Hawaii, I had graduated from high school, and I didn't necessarily qualify for um, home and community-based services. And Special Olympics was like the only game in town. So I was, I was hesitant about going because my school years were rough. No one really wanted me around. So I didn't know what that would be like. But when I joined, it was like walking through a door into a world full of possibility and opportunity. I was actually welcomed just as I was and accepted. That's been the biggest impact for me thank
1: you yeah that's 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 wonderful to hear and and we've heard a lot of similar stories like that. You know I also read on your Special Olympics page that when you were growing up you you had a lot of hardships to deal with. People didn't understand um, your disabilities they didn't accept you for who you were. What would you say to to somebody else out there? I mean, this is a great platform. We have a lot of people who listen to this show, so you know what would you say to to someone who might be out there that might be listening, who might be going through something similar? Um, th- th- that can see the success that you've had and what you've overcome
3: i would definitely tell them don't lose hope and don't lose faith the road may seem long hard rough maybe you'd want to quit at some point but in the end it's all worth it special olympics is just i can't even begin to describe it's amazing trust me when i tell you the end is just the beginning
1: that's, that's wonderful advice. Um, now, I think some of the things you mentioned, too, obviously, are what's so wonderful about sports that people can work together. They can learn to overcome adversity, learn about themselves, um, you know, obviously with the Kansas City Chiefs, Gracie, having grown up in, uh, you know, you, you, you all are Chiefs royalty uh, to, to, to the fans. And, and um, you know, growing up in the Chiefs kingdom, we know how sports. You know how special Chiefs fans are. What would you say is it about the Chiefs fan base and the kingdom that makes them unique to NFL fan bases?
4: I think that overall, the Chiefs kingdom fan base is the most similar to a college game day atmosphere that you'll find in the NFL. And with that comes deep-rooted loyalty and it's almost like a family. Uh, When you wear red, I automatically know you're my friend. It just is like, okay, we have this in common. It breaks that barrier, and we have something to talk about. But with Chiefs fans, not only does Kansas City have the best barbecue in the United States, it also has the sweetest people. I mean, we have big hearts in Kansas City, and I think that's just something that's unique to that market. And it's been such a fun thing for me to get to grow up and just going tailgating with my dad and having him and, and I, you know, try all the fun food and hang out with fans pregame. It, those are memories that I'll cherish forever just because the people are what make it what it is.
2: You know, I'm, I'm curious because your family has such not only a long-standing ties with the Chiefs, but obviously your grandfather, Lamar, created the American Football League. Um, you know, he's, he's emblazoned his, his initials are emblazoned on, on the logo that's on the uniform. Um, and in 2019, after 50 years, the Chiefs finally got the Lamar Hunt trophy and brought it home. And I've heard your dad speak on it. And I'm just curious from your perspective, I'm sure winning the Super Bowls, you know, it's the ultimate achievement in the NFL, but to win that trophy, considering how personal it is to your family, what was that like?
1: I
4: can't really explain to you the feeling, because I would like to call it pure joy. And I think that that's probably the closest thing because as you all can probably relate when you win a football game, especially when it's not one where you win by five touchdowns, I think relief is the primary feeling you experience, but you're super happy too. But when you win the Super Bowl, it's not relief. Oh, we get to move on. It's pure joy and getting to celebrate it with your entire family, everyone who you've watched work towards that, every person in our organization. And it was that collective joy that we all experienced that made it what I would argue to be the happiest day of all of our lives. I'm not sure what could top that um, because you're just sharing it with so many people and getting to watch my dad and my grandmother hold that trophy up, just seeing how hard he works and how much he sacrifices meant the world.
1: I bet. Uh I know it was even for Chiefs fans, you know, to know that the team had never brought home the Lamar Hunt trophy. I know we all really wanted to see it and it was really exciting to see Clark get to bang the drum that day and to finally get to lift that trophy. Um it was super exciting. In all your your time being in and around the team and in the facilities and stuff, do you have like a a, a few favorite, you know, ex-Chiefs that when you look back on were were really fun or that you really looked up to and enjoyed?
4: Oh, absolutely. Growing up, you have the ones who you just end up crossing paths with more and you definitely look up to them. I know Dustin Colquitt was one who really I he got to watch all of us grow up, me and my siblings. So saying goodbye to him was really, really hard um, when that time came. And so it's definitely a bittersweet thing because um the relationships transcend whether or not you're on the team, but it's always like hard when you have to, you know, move into a new chapter of what the team is and draft new guys. And then it's, it's crazy, but I'm um, very thankful for the family culture that exists at Arrowhead.
2: Yeah. So speaking of Arrowhead, it got remodeled in 2010. It went under you know, a little bit of a facelift and, and a renovation. The owner suite might be nicer than most houses I've ever seen. And I, I've got to ask a, how much do you guys enjoy that suite? And B, what is your favorite feature of it?
4: A, it's a it's a special one. And I really love, there's a section of it that has uh, all, a lot of the antique games that my grandfather collected. His nickname was Games. And I know growing up, we kind of used and abused those antique games. So they're a little beat up. But um, it's sweet because they always remind us of him and his love for sports and games. Um, and then the second part to your question was, what was your second, the second It was, part? It was just,
2: what, what is your favorite feature of that That suite?
4: Favorite feature. Yeah. I think that that's probably the favorite feature growing up. I would say Shirley temples because Tavi and Clark would not let us like have them, but you could get them, um, in the suite at Arrowhead. So we looked forward to the Shirley temples. <laughs>
1: Got it. Now, um, Gracie, I know you, I, both you and Renee are really into living a healthy lifestyle. I know you talked a lot about it in your pageant competitions, uh, how important it was and how you wanted to inspire people to you know, live a clean lifestyle, eat well, exercise, take care of themselves. And Renee, you're special Olympics health messenger. So, um, I'd, I'd be interested from hearing from, from both of you, what, what living a life, a healthy lifestyle means to you and, and how you go about that. We can start with Renee.
3: Thank you so much. First of all, to me as a health messenger, living a healthy lifestyle means that you're eating the right foods, fruits, vegetables, some protein, less salt, exercising every day, doing the best we can to stay fit, active. And I think the best exercise of all would be staying connected with your team. During the pandemic lockdown, you know, that that was hard on everybody. And so it was essential to make certain that we were connected even during this pandemic. And there's a healthy athletes discipline called Strong Minds that was just started. That was just a way for athletes to cope with the stress, the way things are now. They came up with breathing techniques, yoga stretches I would definitely say that connecting is like the best exercise, but that's the way I see a healthy lifestyle.
4: For me, I was born with celiac disease. And when I was born, you look everywhere now and there's gluten-free this, gluten-free that, and substitutes galore. That wasn't the case when I was young and doctors weren't as aware of that and what to look for. So I suffered for many years being sick and not knowing why. And I mean, in the ER on morphine, couldn't consume things or breathe because I was that sensitive to it. So eventually I was able to be diagnosed. And and before that, I my parents were trying to figure it out, but they couldn't figure out why I despised birthday cakes and every Italian restaurant, they were like a whole restaurant, Cannot make you sick. Um, And I was like, oh, it does. And they were like, okay, well, we just want a birthday cake in the Italian restaurant. And I was like, no. So I developed an aversion to a lot of things that have gluten in it and uh, decided that when I was diagnosed, I was just going to say goodbye to all of it. And so from the time that I was probably in like young middle school, I just gave up everything, like completely cold turkey. And so I would say that my whole life I've been pretty paleo based and how I eat and eat lots of fruits and vegetables, uh, healthy proteins. And from that, I really developed a passion to want to help other people because I have experienced that and lived that and it's miserable and I didn't want other people to. So I got my nutrition accreditation and um, sort of that in tandem with me growing up playing soccer and wanting to play in college and um then it turning into a passion for running and training and so much more than that so it's been fun to get to sort of take this new journey that i would have never envisioned going on but i'm just glad to be able to help people
2: well Matt, thank you you got uh, one more <laughs> no I, I think i don't know if we have the time but if we do um i guess i would just ask for you know real quick for both of you just the Special Olympics here, as it continues to grow in popularity and it grows in importance, I think, um, you know, you both obviously have such great connections. Renee being involved for over a decade and a half and and Gracie being involved in a multitude of ways. And Hector's even a Chiefs tie I mean, Jamal Charles was in the Special Olympics, right? I mean, yeah. he, he maybe is the most famous athlete to ever come out of it um, in a lot of ways. And he's been an ambassador for it. Um, how do you hope that it, you know, for both of you, how do you hope that it grows going forward, both in the, in terms of the games themselves, but also in the scope that people view?
3: Renee, you want to go? I would definitely like to see the mission of inclusive health move forward. There are a lot of health disparities that individuals with IDD face. I'll share one with you. One that I think is the scariest. An individual with IDD can die 16 years earlier than a person without IDD, without the quality healthcare. And that is something that I'm trying to change. So I'm definitely hoping to see inclusive health growing forward. That's what I'd like to see. And as well as the whole entire program.
4: For me, I think that inclusive health is so important. And to break down what that means, it's educating doctors on what to look for when someone who has IDD comes in to be treated and it's not blanketing their disability as part of a health condition that's completely separate because that is what contributes to a shortened lifespan and also being six times more susceptible to diseases like COVID than people who don't have IDD. So that's a huge thing that really needs to be focused on because everyone should have access to quality health care. But aside from that, I think that the inclusion revolution is so important in society today because in so many ways we are more divided than ever, but sports, as we all know from whether it's cheering on the chief sidelines or participating in special Olympics brings you together, despite what you believe, where you come from, or even your level of ability. And so I'd love to see it expand into schools. I'd love to see uh, increased federal um, funding, which uh, Capitol Hill Day is actually going on right now. So I hope that that's um, getting the ball rolling to to get some things done there. But there's a lot of work to be done, and more of the world needs Special Olympics for sure.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for, for coming on, you know, Hopping on our platform, it's it's great. We're we're thrilled to be able to be working with Special Olympics to help get the word out um, and, and the things that you have to say and your experiences to a larger audience. And of course, the Chiefs Kingdom, um, who's they're a little down right now um, for for obvious reasons, but it was it was still a really exciting season, and I think brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Gracie, do you think you're gonna get, gonna get that uh, get that chip back next year and win the Super Bowl again?
4: I definitely have a lot of faith in Coach Reed, Patrick, and the team as a whole. I know Patrick's really competitive, and I don't know if you saw this tweet, but he was quoted saying, like, I don't think it's something you really get over until you find yourself in a new Super Bowl, more or less is what the quote said. And I think that that's how my family feels, too, and how most of Chiefs' kingdom feels because it's something that's you work so hard to get to that point. But the good news is that the future is bright and it was a wonderful season. So looking forward to great things.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for joining us, for Matt and I and and the whole Arrowhead Ag team. We appreciate it. so wonderful to meet you, Renee and Gracie. Um, Have a wonderful spring and summer, and maybe we'll see you down in Orlando at Special Olympics.
4: We look forward to it. It was so nice to meet you guys, too. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Mahalo.
1: Mahalo. Take care